always tell my podcasters, my clients, you know, especially even things if you want people to believe your promo for mm. other podcasts, your ad read, mm. they have to get to know you. I think if they don't know the real you, then they're going to find something else because you're you. Mm. You're the only you. So when people say, you know, there's so much competition, but you are the only you. So you need to let everybody know why they're coming to your show. And it's usually because of the host. Podcast Chunkies, episode 331. Welcome back. I'm your host, Harry Duran, podcasting since 2014. If you are new to this specific show, welcome, welcome, welcome. I do my best to roll out the welcome mat. For all new listeners, I would always love to know and hear how you found this show or this episode. Maybe it's because of today's amazing guest. More on her in a few seconds. But if you are a regular listener, as always, I want to thank you so much for all the support of the show, whether you've listened to just a few or just a few years, or maybe the whole catalog, there might be someone that has actually done that. But either way, I'm always appreciative for any new people to know that there's regular listeners that support the show on a regular basis. And I'm grateful because without you, I would not have a show. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Last episode, we had an amazing cosmic conversation with my friend Melanie Gillespie. We had a really wild ride. If you not, have not heard that episode, go listen to it. We talked about the evolutionary journey of the cosmos, exploring spiritual journeys and podcasting, her transition and embracing her role as a mystic, the intersection of science and spirituality, the importance of energetic boundaries and discernment. Obviously, the power of audio in podcasting and the recognition of inspirational messages, how to listen to them, how to tune into them, and why that's important in this world that we now live in today. We talked about uh, transmitting energies, writing, and finding your balance. All things that I love so much. We had such a fun time. The energy was high vibe there. Really check that out if you've missed that one. This week, we continue on the high vibe train with my friend Lauren Purcell. Lauren and I have been running in the same podcast circles for many, many years, and we always bump into each other at a podcasting conference. She's an incredible, incredible resource for the world of podcasting. I'm sure everyone listening will know who she is, but I was just so grateful in a long overdue conversation on this show. We had a great chat and covered everything from podcasting origins and the importance of connections in this space, her move from print to digital, challenges of starting a business. She's an amazing entrepreneur and business leader. And we talked about the evolution of her business, a little bit about podcast therapy and the importance of building a solid and reliable team, the importance of a community in podcasting, which is something I'm really passionate about. And obviously this conversation wouldn't be complete without a deep dive on podcast marketing and niche visibility, which is something Lauren and her team are excellent at. This is a must listen. If you have any interest in growing your show, the specifics about how to market your show, and just an inspiring entrepreneurial journey, it's all covered here. If you end up enjoying this episode, or if you enjoyed any of the past episodes, nothing would please me more on this Thanksgiving week in 2023 if you would leave me a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I'd love to read yours out next. And remember, these episodes are always chock full of great takeaways. As a listener, I want you to focus all your energy on this episode, so put down that notepad. Rest assured, you can always visit podcastjunkies.com to read the full show notes for each episode, which includes all guest links as well. To those that are in the States, I hope you have some time to enjoy with your families. And to those of you who are international and are not celebrating this holiday, know that I am grateful for you listening as well. Okay, before we get into this uninterrupted conversation with Lauren, few words from the amazing folks that support this show. With so many companies starting up in the podcasting space, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge to figure out who you can trust and what the company is all about, which is why with my co-founder, Brad Nolan, we've created The Podosphere. Think of it as Yelp for podcasters. The Podosphere features all the companies making moves in the podcasting space. In this comprehensive directory, you'll be able to view the different companies by category, rate your favorites, and connect with them on their socials. As you learn more about your favorite companies, you'll also be able to create your own pod stack, which is a feature that lets your fans know all the companies and services that you're currently using to produce your show. For the most comprehensive podcast directory in the galaxy, head on over to thepodosphere.com. 
If you've been on the fence about getting your podcast started, I have great news for you. My newly updated course, Podcast Blueprint 101, walks you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. And best of all, listeners of this show will get 50% off. In this course, I'll walk you through everything you need to get your podcast off the ground. In section one, mindset, we'll talk about getting started, the importance of the right mindset, and how to think about continuous improvement for your show. In section two, we lay the groundwork. We talk about planning your show, positioning it, and how to go about creating a quality production. In the growth section, we focus on where and when to publish your show, how to promote it to the right platforms, and as an added bonus, some specifics about how you can profit from your show as well. I've also included a list of tools and services that have been helpful for me in the growth of my show. So again, the URL is podcastblueprint101.com and use promo code PBHD50 to get 50% off exclusively for listeners of the show. Lauren Passell, founder of Tink Media, long overdue to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Thank you. I've been a listener for what feels like <laughs> forever. So I, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Do you remember the first podcast you ever listened to? I think it was The Champs with Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher. What year would that have been? Oh, man. 2013, 2012, maybe? Yeah. I got injured and I was on crutches and I needed Mm. something. I have no idea how I found it. It was back when I feel like I would just go to like maxfun.com and listen Mm. to everything that they had. Like it was, people complain about discovery now. It was very, very hard to find new things to listen to. I would listen to anything. (laughs) (laughs) But I love the champs. I still miss that show. That was a very good show. Did someone introduce you to podcasts or did you just kind of stumble on them? I don't remember anyone telling me. I was just, I must have been searching for something to do while I was on crutches. (laughs) <laughs> and maybe in uh, somewhere I found someone recommending podcasts or maybe it was audiobooks first. I have no yeah. <laughs> idea. It was pre-serial though. What about you? I think it was funny because my journey started because of my love of house music. So I grew up DJing. Like I learned how to DJ on vinyl. I've still got my turntables. And I was, I was listening to this interview show. When I got started a podcast was a DJ mix. I didn't know anything about like people talking. And so people would be like, oh, go listen to this DJ's podcast. And I was like, cool. And it'd be like a mix. It's just kind of like, you know, mixtape vibe. And then there's a website called Resident Advisor where you can go to find out anything that's happening in the world of like electronic music. And they had a podcast. It was called uh, Resident Advisor or something like that. And they would interview DJs. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. I get to hear my favorite DJs for like an hour. You know, normally you just see them play, you have, you can't like talk to them or you don't know anything about them, but then like you get to hear them like talk about their influences. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then I was working on a mobile app with a friend of mine. It's called Know Your DJ. And the dot DJ is a domain too, by the way. So if you go to knowyour.dj, it's still there. They, they haven't taken it down. I haven't touched it in like five or six years. I don't know if the formatting is still off, but you can still see it kind of like a picture of the app. So for the benefit of the listener, Lauren's looking right now. So we'll see what she finds. <laughs> so I said, uh, I want to learn how to podcast. I went to New Media Expo in January 2014 in Vegas, and it was blogging, YouTube, and podcasting. I can't imagine right? what that must have been like. Very, was, oh, wow. <laughs> it was wild. It, it seems was, niche now, and I can't and imagine. I had, been, I had been listening to Pat Flynn's stuff. So he was there speaking, and I was like, oh, cool, Pat Flynn's here. And Amy Porterfield, I think, was there as well. And Scott Stratton, I think, was the other one. So I was like, oh, I went to go see Cliff Ravenscraft talk. And then Chris Murphy was like the MC. He's, he helps the podcast moving a lot. I don't know if you've met Chris before, but he's friends with Jared. And he's like, who here is a podcast junkie? And I was like, oh, I was like, that's me. Because I had like 10 or 15 podcasts on my phone at the time. So then I was like, oh, I went up to Chris afterwards. I was like, what about if I interview like podcasters? And, you know, kind of like I took acting class back in the day in New York. And I I remember inside the actor studio and it was like James Lipton talking to actors. And I was like, well, kind of like that, but podcasters. And that's, I came back, I registered podcastjunkies.com, the domain was available. And then I enrolled in JLD's Podcasters Paradise. I love that story because you really did it because you loved it. Like you really were so so far at the beginning of this and it's oh that's wonderful i thought it was late it was so funny because i was like oh 2014 i'm talking to like dave jackson elsie escobar 
Gary Leland and Jared and, you know, it was like an exciting time because that was the first year of podcast movement and it was a wow. Kickstarter and they were oh trying to raise $10,000 for like a, do a little podcasting meetup in a hotel in, uh, I think the original, it wasn't in Dallas. It was another, another part of, maybe it was in Dallas. I don't know, somewhere in Texas. And then that got like, they met that super fast and they're like, you know, we're going to need a bigger location. And they upgraded the hotel. And that was like the first podcast movement. I love just imagining all these people all over the world discovering it on their own and like <laughs> figuring out, oh, there's other people out there like me that love this and coming together. That's so wonderful. I thought what was interesting for me at the time was I, I wanted to meet other podcasters. So I said, obviously, I'm going to interview them, but I want them to know who I am. So I'm going to do video. And video was like super hard at the time because it was the best you could do was Skype with call recorder. So you could see the person who wouldn't record the video, but you could at least see them for the conversation and it would eventually record the audio. And that's how I was like, if I'm going to spend an hour with this person, I want them to know who I am. So I'd go to podcast conferences and they'd be like, Hey, Harry, nice to see you. Like, it was a great conversation we had. And I was like, oh, okay. And then that's how I just started building up visibility in the podcasting space. What was your favorite podcast movement ever? I'd probably have to say the one where I met my partner, Natalie. <laughs> oh boy, go on. That's a good one. Yeah. That was How a, did that, that happen? A long story, probably for drinks at the bar. But Okay, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm not going to forget. <laughs> I'm not going to forget that you promised me that. It's, yes, we'll talk about that. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've met so many. I mean, I met Zach and Rock from uh, Squadcast at 2016 and then became their founding advisor like in 2017. So that was I love pretty, them so much. Yeah. I'm so They're happy the for them. They just, yeah, they just got acquired by Descript. So that was fun. When I and found I think, out they were just acquired by Descript, I was like, uh, there good things happen to good people. <laughs> like the universe is correct. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's a lot of people. Cause I remember in those early days, I'd be going around to the booths and I'd be like, you got to meet the guys at Descript. Are you doing remote recording? You got to check them out. And I was just like, I was literally like pulling people by the hand over them. And so that's, and I think what people appreciated is the fact that they're so down to earth and they're so just yes. like really good guys. Like it couldn't happen to nicer guys. And, uh, and they, they always have had the best like intentions for the community. And I said, you guys, you have to come down, even if you're tired, you gotta, I would get rock to come down from his room and hang out at the bar. I was like, you gotta like meet people. You gotta like, kind of like get to let people know who you are. And I've always said, and like, and you know, this, you know, having a business yourself, when people know the face of an owner and, and who's behind it and who the team is, they can relate to it, especially nine times out of 10, it's going to be a small team. So I'm always, I see these new services, especially in podcasting. And the first thing I do is go to the about page. And if I don't see a, an about or a team, it's just like, it's a faceless entity and I, I can't really get behind it or I can't really trust that it's going to be around. You're so right. Yeah. That's a good tip because there's a lot of things popping up and you never know, are they going to be sticking around? <laughs> you know, like, do they want good things for the community? You know, that's yeah, it's true. So just before we started recording, we were chatting about where we're at location-wise. And I'm in Minneapolis now, but I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Yonkers, lived in East Village. I lived in the Upper East Side, Greenpoint. And so my heart is always New York City. But I was there recently, and I think I was just uh, realizing how much that pace and I don't know if it's a post-COVID thing, but there's something about the energy that just, it's, I feel it now more. And, and I think uh, you said you're in the East Village. I'm, I'm curious what that's been like for you and if you've always been there and a little bit of, of your living situation for the, for yeah. the benefit of the listener. I mean, I'm from Ohio, but I haven't lived there in a very long time. And when I graduated college, I moved to Rome for a little bit and I wanted to stay there, but I couldn't get a job. So I was applying to jobs in New York City, and I came to New York City in 2007 mm. thinking that was when, like, print magazine was a good idea. So I was working in print. Like, that's like Devil Wears Prada days. Like, I was at the bottom of a totem pole where I was, like, cutting up my boss's sandwiches for her. Yeah. It was, yeah. That's the um, real thing, then, the Devil Wears Prada stuff. Yeah. And this was for parenting magazine. You would think it was more low-key. But... Anyways, I got pushed over to digital media and I was upset at the time because I was like, digital media, blogs, ew, this is, I want to be in print. And thank goodness that happened. Yeah. So I worked for, you know, I was in digital media at that interesting time when like nobody cared about it. Like at the, 
you know, the magazine, they were like, yeah, sure. Let this young girl run our Twitter account. Who cares? You know, like start all of our social media channels. And like, so I got to learn a lot because nobody thought it was going to stick or something. So I was, you know, doing all this kind of exciting stuff now that I look back. So I worked for a dating app and I worked for Barnes and Noble. I worked for a book publishing house. And that was, you know, I guess you asked me about New York. So I moved to the East Village about 12 years ago, I guess, mm. 13 years ago. And I love it. I moved, lived in numerous places, but yeah. I love the energy. I love whenever someone complains about New York, I'm like, that's <laughs> what I love about New York. I love all of it. Yeah. I lived on Avenue A, 7th and A. Right off of I lived on 11th and A. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's that Spanish place on 7th and 8th that's really good. Yucca, isn't it? Yes, Yucca Bar. Yes. Yucca Bar, yeah. I know what I love you're talking that. about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I was there for 9-11. It was wild. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was living in that apartment. And when I looked out the window every morning, I could see the towers. And so, you know, I just wake up in the morning and see the towers. And then I would listen to New York One in the morning, you know, at 8.45, because I, I used to work at uh, downtown by the towers, Chase Plaza, and it would be like a 15 minute train ride door to door. And I remember like turning on the TV at, at 8.45 and then the first plane had already hit. And I looked out the window and I could kind of see that there was like smoke and I was like, what's happening? This is crazy. So we ran up to the roof. It was like a fifth floor, five story building. And then all my neighbors were up there and everyone was just like, what's going on? Or I was watching and then I think the second one hit and then that's when I, like, I ran up and we were just on the roof for a while and everyone was just wondering like, how the heck are they going to get up there to put out that fire? Because it was like 60, 70, 80 stories up and just like someone brought up a telescope and we were just kind of like checking it out and it was surreal. And then like, air, like fighter jets start flying overhead in New York City and then, and it was just crazy. And then I think we went back down and then they came down and then we're like, whoa, like what's happening? Like, and I had coworkers that were downtown, right? Cause I, we, we worked like three blocks away from the World Trade Center. And he said they were on the 16th floor. They said when it went down, a cloud of smoke came up, you know, 16 stories up and it would just, just went completely black like night. And yeah, it was a crazy day. And, and I'm sure Can't everyone's imagine. got stories about what that was like, but it was surreal because for the next couple, you know, week or two, you would see like, tanks or a Hummer on the streets in New York City and everyone it was like a weird small town vibe like everyone in New York City was like hey how you doing and how's it going blah 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 like and that's rare right you don't see that yeah. nowadays but yeah it was, it was crazy and then I moved to I had already made plans I had been making plans to move to Atlanta to go work with my half-brother there so I was leaving and I kind of felt bad I felt bad that I was leaving I was like oh man I'm leaving the city oh. and so yeah I only I was only there for a couple of years and then I, I came back but it was, it's wild. It's always held a, a special place in my heart, you know, having lived in there so many times and I kind of like vibed off the energy, but I, I think as I was telling you, I was there this past week and we were staying at the Rivington hotel with my partner. And, uh, I noticed that you would wake, you know, you hear the alarm, you hear the sirens. <laughs> I just heard a siren and your background. I was like, Oh, New York. I love it. Yep. And, but then when you're there, and then they were like drilling at like 9 a.m. at like one of the uh -huh. rooms. I'm like, what's going on? It's just like, and sometimes it feels like it's probably because I've been away and I did the inverse. Now I'm in the Midwest. I'm in just 30 minutes outside Minneapolis. And there's like deer that roam on the property. Tur turkeys come by, you know, my partner feeds the birds and the squirrels. <laughs> so, you know, I think Sounds it takes a nice. while and you've, I don't know if you've experienced this, but when you're away from the city. It takes you a while to like decompress and get used to like the silence. The first thing I noticed when I went to Atlanta is I went to go stay with my brother and he lived just outside Atlanta. The first night I slept there, it was so quiet. There was not a sound outside and I had trouble sleeping. And oh. I was like, you know, coming from the city. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why is no one screaming the F word outside my window tonight? Yeah. I feel you about, I think I'm. I lived here for a long time and it will be very difficult to leave. I think I'm going to have to leave at some point. I want a little bit of space, but, and it's hard living. It's fun, rewarding living, but it's, it's tough. Everything is like a little bit harder to do. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel the energy is different after COVID? Yeah. I mean, even I live in a very loud, energetic place, but 
I mean, yeah. I don't know who will understand this. You will. The Selka is no longer 24-hour diner. And when that happened, I was like, wow. man, what? And like, it shuts down a little bit earlier. You can't get a dollar slice anymore. I mean, mm. what? Yeah, that, I know. But and then again, I've lived here so long. I've seen a lot of changes and stuff. And I mean, it changes when you go three blocks over, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I still feel in these village, like it's very friendly. Like mm -hmm. it feels like it's, I live in a small town sometimes in the East village. So yeah, it still yeah. is very wonderful. I think the biggest change for me is the space, you know, cause like living in a space and we have like, we're actually in, in like a, there's four bedrooms here and we have each have our bedroom for our office. And once you have that space, it's hard to go back. Oh, you know, I have 100% of my friends that left for COVID. So we're like, well, we're coming back. And then yeah. they went somewhere and thought, oh, life can be like this. Oh, and yeah, I, yeah. I never left. So I didn't get to a taste of space, but my expectations for space are very low. <laughs> <laughs> I think once you have that taste, that's going to be hard to go back. Yeah. So you're there 2007, eight, nine, you're getting into digital marketing, which has obviously turned out to be a good thing. You've been, you started you told me earlier how you got involved and started listening to podcasting. So kind of start pulling those pieces together. Like when did you start thinking that this is something you might want to like learn more about yourself? Well, I remember the moment I was listening to, I was listening to ask me another with Ophira Eisenberg. And I was like, there's this moment. I'll never forget it. It was just a moment that happened on Mike that I thought, whoa, I cannot believe I just heard someone say that we need a place to talk about this. And I remember feeling upset that podcast moments were just flying through our ears and we weren't talking about them. Like I need to talk to someone about podcasts because no one I knew listened to podcasts. That is why I started podcast, my podcast about podcasts. <laughs> and it Wait, was- What year is this? Oh, 2014, 15. Okay, all right. And maybe 2015, 14, I don't, I don't remember. I should look that up. But it was me and my best friend, Eric, and it was also an excuse to hang out with Eric, but we brought each other clips of the best things we listened to all week and we present them to each other. We had a bunch of segments. It was very silly. My husband made drops, like DJ drops on it. And then through that, I started my newsletter and I started my newsletter to try to force my family and friends to listen to podcasts. But I thought they would be the only ones that read the newsletter it turns out they did not read the newsletter, <laughs> but podcast people started reading it and finding it somehow. I actually, I was always a fan of Bella Collective. And so yeah. that those are my first podcast friends and yeah. I'm still friends with a lot of them. And those were the people that introduced me to what a wonderful place the space was. Mm -hmm. So, but one of my jobs was in book publishing and I wasn't on the PR or marketing team, but they knew I loved podcasts because I was always trying to get them to sign up for my newsletter. And so the PR team would come up to me and say, hey, can you start booking our authors on podcasts to promote their mm. books? And I was like, absolutely. I dream about this all night. And so I started doing that, even though it wasn't my job. Yeah. And then I went to work for a podcast company for a year and then I to learn that kind of side of it. And then I, I called up my old boss from Little Brown at my, the book publishing company and I said, is this a dumb idea for a company? And she was like, no. And she was like, actually, I'm starting my own PR company. And I said, will you hire me to like learn how to do PR? And she was like, sure. So I started working for her. I was, I got a few clients just because I knew authors. And then the more I started pitching my authors to podcasters, the more I started realizing they needed marketing help and they needed PR help. And they just started asking me for things. So the company has really evolved to just people asking me if I can do things. And, you know, it's such podcast marketing is so niche. There's not a lot of other people. There's not tons and tons of people doing it. Yeah. So it's been really fun because it's a lot of times people coming to me with a problem. And now there's 10 people on Tank and we all work together to come up with really creative ideas. It is so much fun. I feel so lucky. It doesn't feel like work. And that's how I got here. <laughs> the end. <laughs> mm -hmm. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, the, the challenges with getting started with the company and not knowing like what it would involve, especially in an industry that was like brand new. Cause you know, I kind of did the same thing. I did podcast junkies for a year and then I hired a business coach 
And I was like, whoa, people need help with their podcast. So how about if I did it as a done for you service? And that was full cast and we've launched over like 120 shows since. But early days, you sort of are figuring it out as you go along. And to your point, like you don't know exactly what the offering is. And so what were you learning or what were people having challenges with early on and how has that evolved? Well, I must say at first I was, I thought Tink wouldn't be real. Like I thought it was kind of, I was kind of messed. Like I almost called my company Grandma Joyce because I was like, <laughs> this isn't real after my beloved grandmother. And I was still applying for jobs. Like I was still trying to get social media jobs, like other writing jobs. Yeah. And so I didn't, I wasn't brave. I wasn't like, I'm going to, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I am not an entrepreneur at heart. I'm a terrible entrepreneur. Literally awful. I have no organizational skills. I don't think <laughs> I do the dumbest things because I want to. I think I'm very like heart driven so much as more than business driven. So yeah. I never wanted to do this, but the work started picking up and I just had to stop applying for jobs. So honestly, I never thought that it just kind of, I just kept on saying yes and think, and honestly, I probably wasn't afraid enough. I thought, yeah, I could do that. I've been working here for a long time. I know a lot of yeah. people, I can figure this out. I've had to figure things out before I can figure this out. And my dad loaned me a little bit of money and I never had to use it because it was such a low, like I didn't have to really spend very much money. Yeah. And my first client that, reach out to me. I, I'm very fortunate. Danny Shapiro of the podcast Family Secrets, you know, she's an mm -hmm. author. So I was introduced to her that way. And I think she was the first person to say, can you help me with my podcast? Mm -hmm. And that team was the first person to say, can you pitch Danny? Can we do some promo swaps? And this whole company has just been me going, I guess no one else. <laughs> sure. I loved doing yeah, this. Yeah. So, and also I do remember the first time when I was at the publishing house, I was working on a David Sedaris book and they were like, can you get David Sedaris on some podcasts? And I remember emailing on a sale of the sex and money mm. and she answered and I was like, what? You're a celebrity. And like those small moves in pitching someone and making it happen. I was like, yeah. I can do this. It works. Like that was a huge moment. And I was like, I can do this. I can make this happen. So I think yeah. it was just. I'm lucky because not there just weren't a lot of other people trying. And I honestly think I should have been more worried about making it work, but I don't know. Well, I think part of it is that your experience in the publishing industry, your early entry into digital and the fact that you're in New York where it's kind of like built in that you have to, you know, I mean, the cliche, you can make it there, you can make it anywhere, but there's like an energy and, and like a drive <laughs> in New York that I think people you know, don't realize if they don't spend a lot of time there. I mean, I, I worked there several times and it's even just the pace, like even people on the sidewalk, like I would be the person that was like passing people on the sidewalk, you know, because I was like, gotta get to where I gotta get to. And it's like, you know, you, you always feel like this urgency around everything you're doing. Yeah. I don't know if you felt like this when you lived here, but like, I think you have to be a little masochistic to live here. And so I'm just so, I run on like fast a little uncomfortable, a little, I run on stress. That's why I thrive with the rats and garbage and all the things that <laughs> people hate about New York. I don't know. I feel like yeah. I actually like feel like, I don't know, this might sound wild, but I feel like work has become more gentle since I entered, since I started working in New York. So it's been yeah. actually really nice to see people being able to have a little bit more of a life and thinking about their mental health. And I'm like trying to adjust to that because I don't think it was like that when I was working in media, it was really frenzied and I feel like I was never home. And I, that's what I love about my job now. I thought I would always want to work for the man. I was like, sign me up. I yeah, want yeah. to have all those things. And now I just feel really free and to be able to have my own company, but I never thought it's something I wanted. Yeah, I think it's not for everyone. And I'm going into like my ninth year with the agency and, you know, definitely ups and downs and it's not for the faint of heart. You have to be comfortable with failure. Lots of money wasted on stuff that I probably shouldn't have done before to just try to make things work, you know, paid for coaches. And, you know, there's something to be said about having that freedom to just kind of do whatever you want. And I've been remote since 2015. So when COVID hit, I was like, okay, yeah, I know what remote is. It's not a problem. But, you know, just in, in being able to travel and if you have to like do do some work on the road and, and just 
having that freedom to be wherever you want and not being tied to a specific location. And also just understanding that like if the growth of your company is something that you're in control of and your future isn't something that you're in control of. And so I think just in terms of the relationships I've built, you know, with my clients and people that I've met and just people in podcasting and I think other entrepreneurs, it's something that it's, you know, there's been a couple of moments when I'm like, do I want to go back and get like a real, like a six figure job? But then it's like, when you think about everything that you're giving up, it always brings me back to this because it, it really, I like, it. I didn't realize how much I love being a business owner and just in getting into the the nitty gritty of like, okay, how do we solve this problem? And then learn, and then all these things you got to learn, you got to learn marketing, you got to learn uh, designs, you got to learn how to be a good salesperson, like all these things that you have to sort of figure out on your own. And, and that's the thing, no one's going to come to save you when you're a business owner, <laughs> like the buck stops with you and you have to figure things out. And there's something empowering about that. Yeah, I'm lucky because my team solves a lot of my problems there. <laughs> I am the first person to be like, help everybody. Or I ask them their opinions all their time. Like I couldn't do it at one. I owe everything to them. They're the best. But my favorite things are just everything that I do comes back to the company. And I feel like I worked in so many jobs where I thought I would get rewarded. Like, I thought I would work really hard and someone would say, come on, Lauren, good job. We're giving you a raise. That doesn't happen. Like, when you work hard and you have your own business, you get it back. And I really like that. And the other thing I like is I feel like I was living in fear for many years. This is like a therapy session. Like, (laughs) it's like I don't really get stressed anymore because I know there are no podcast emergencies. Like, that's what I am constantly telling my team. And if I see someone on my team stressed, I'm like physically scrape the stress off of you. Nothing matters. Like we can do this together. We can fix everything. And so I don't go to bed with my stomach in knots anymore because I know it's going to be okay. And I have a lot yeah. of faith in that. I had an old boss used to tell me at the end of the day, we're not saving lives. He's like, and he, it was really like helpful to hear. Cause I would be like stressed at work sometimes and I'd have so much on my plate and he's like, look, just do the best you can in the amount of time you got. And, you know, it's not like we're working triage at the ER, <laughs> like, you know, and then that was really important. And that's something I needed to hear. I was visiting my husband's family and his dad was an eye, ear, throat doctor. Eye, yeah. ear, nose, some of those things. Yeah. <laughs> Three of those four things. And he was telling you about this story that somebody got shot in the throat and he had, oh, I don't know, it was God. this terrible story. And then he tells the story and everyone's like, oh my God. And then we kind of like quieted down and someone go, someone said, so Lauren, like, how's work for you? I was like, oh man, I didn't save yeah. anybody's life. I should not <laughs> worry so much. Yeah. I think my work is important, but not that important. So now you have someone cutting your sandwiches. Kind of. <laughs> not, not really. I like to cut my own sandwich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for folks that the listener that doesn't know a lot about Tink or may have just been seeing you at a podcast conference or the newsletter, what's the 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 range of, of things that you guys are doing now? I think we change the name all the time because like I said, it has evolved every time someone calls me basically yeah. and we come up with a new idea. Yeah. But it's we help podcasts grow and you know, we do things like we do a lot of pitching. So we'll pitch our clients to be on other podcasts and to media outlets. And, you know, we try to work with the platforms to get our client shows on listening apps. And we set up promo swaps and feed swaps and other sorts of partnerships. I like to get really creative with partnerships, Mm -hmm. not just straight up promo swaps and feed swaps. And I mean, we have something called podcast therapy that I do with Ariel Nissenblatt. I know you know very well. And it's consulting, but we call it therapy because when you're working with people on their creative projects, it's emotional, (laughs) you know, and we have helped people develop entire shows in podcast therapy. Sometimes people come to us with something really specific or sometimes they come and say, will you just listen and tell us how we should be marketing this Mm. or give us feedback on the show? And we always have someone from the Tink team taking notes. So there's like tons of notes. And that's one of my favorite things we do. And we're doing this really cool thing right now. So we had a client who did podcast therapy and she signed up for two hours Mm. and we split them up. She did one hour. Usually I like them to take some time in between sessions because there's a lot in the first (laughs) hour. So take our notes, you know, start using some of those tips. 
But she booked them really close together. So on the second time, we were like, well, have you implemented any of these? She's like, not yet. I was like, you know what? Go away. I was like, go to your room. No, I was like, (laughs) turn off Zoom. And so there were three of us on the call, me, Devin, and Ariel. And I said, for 55 minutes, let's just speed pitch. Make a letter in one minute. Go through our Rolodex. So together, the three of us just went nuts. Mm. And we booked her on eight podcasts and got four write-ups for her. And I was like, oh, this is something. So right now we're trying to do something where you have an hour of podcast therapy with us and then you go away and we see what we can accomplish (laughs) in an hour. And it's, I mean, honestly, it's very cool to see it happen, but it's just really fun to be working together like that in this like fast pitched environment. So that's something I'm excited about. But, you know, it's, we do a lot of other things too. We have a newsletter we all work together on called Podcast Marketing Magic. And we have a podcast called Feed the Cue where we just feed the cue with things, audio things, episodes of things that we want. Yeah. It doesn't have a release schedule. <laughs> <laughs> we're just feeding the cue. Yeah. And we're working on something now called Tink's Audio Delicacies, which is like our end of year best of list of the year where we reach out to podcasters and ask them to give us their favorite thing that they listen to. Mm. Uh, we're always working on something where I say, what can we work on that is really fun and takes up tons of time, but makes us no money. (laughs) (laughs) See, I told you I'm not a good entrepreneur, but we're having a lot of fun. How did you start thinking about the right people for the team? Because you said you're at 10 now. And then like, how did you start filling those roles? And then was it just a need that popped up at the time? Or were you thinking about where you needed more help in the agency? I thought it would just be me and my laptop for a long time. And I got one project that was like pretty big and I had met Ariel at a podcast movement for two minutes. It was Mm -hmm. like, but in those two minutes, she dazzled me as she dazzles everyone. (laughs) And I literally, her face was dazzling. She was wearing glitter makeup on, which I felt I'd love glitter makeup. And so when I needed some help, I DM'd her and I said, I don't even know if you remember me, but I need to talk to you. And I called her and I said, I have this problem. And I, think you're the only one that can help me fix it and she was like yeah i'll help like no questions asked and we started that was more than three years ago and we've been working together on some things and then my first other hire was ann baird and i knew that ann baird was in the audio space and so i knew that they had familiarity with podcasts and i emailed them and said you know are you interested in talking to me about this job and they said i can't talk today i'm in disney world with my mom and you know i named <laughs> my company after tank i love disney and i was like i have no further questions and you were hired i had literally no further questions That's and funny. then devin was the next hire and devin i just saw a random tweet devin tweeted i wish someone would hire me to write about podcasts and i dm'd her and i said are you interested in working for me i mean that's how I know this sounds wild, but I can teach anyone to be a PR person or a marketing person. I can't teach yeah. anyone to love podcasts. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, the yeah. most important thing. We you all either love podcasts. Do, yeah, you either do or you don't. And you and if you get it, then you understand like how magical it is. And I think we all get a taste of that. And that's what I loved about the podcast conferences, podcast movement, especially in those early days. It was like a class reunion and you just go back and you wanted to see. And, and in those early days, I was like attending like Joe Pardo's MapCon. And I was going to PodFest and I was going to Podcast Movement. And I went to the Outlier Conference. I know Ariel will help with that as well. So it's just like all these indie conferences that are happening. And there's so many now I can't even keep up. But it's so interesting to kind of see everyone from around the time and just see familiar faces and then new faces as well. But I think that's one the one thing that I always tell people about podcasting is like if when you're around this community, like everyone just wants to help each other and everyone wants to see each other succeed. And it's something that that was new for me when I came into podcasting. It's it's still the same, I think, every time I grow. It's new for me, too. Someone I was speaking once and someone got up and said, well, why would I do a promo swap? Why would I send someone to another show? And I was like, I think you're in the wrong business because these people like to help each other. And that is why I love it so much. Yeah. But have you noticed a difference in that? To me, it's always felt that way. But you've been doing this longer than I have. And have you seen a change in how people work together? I think maybe now because it's got way, way more corporate, right? I mean, it just, we were at the last podcast movement and like the booths for some of these like vendors and like the Spotify's and 
the couch. Even Lipson's gotten fancy now. <laughs> Lipson never used to have like the fancy booth, but you know, I think it's maturing as an industry, so it, it makes sense that's going to happen. But I still think there's opportunities to for people to like have more community engagement, more community feel. And I think if you look for it, if you go down the path of corporate and and you come into it from that mindset and you come into it from like other industries, then you'll probably just stay in that lane and stay, you know, and looking for like the big shows with the big stars, with the big budgets and, you know, who love to spend a ton of money. (laughs) But there's always that thread. There'll always be that thread. And that I noticed, you know, with your, with your newsletter as well, just kind of that thread of supporting like the indie podcasters, because it's, it always feels like there's just new people coming in all the time. And they're just like really excited and really curious. And I'm always like looking for ways to like get the word out about what new folks are doing. And, you know, I just use the show to like talk to people that I want to talk to. (laughs) And it's just like, it's fun for me. You know, it's like, I don't have like agendas with like the guests. And I think that's a common thread for some of the, the, my podcasting peeps that I continue to maintain relationships with. I love that so much. I love the indies too. It's funny. I just got this pitch for a indie show for my newsletter and she wrote at the bottom, apologies for being, you know, she's pitching me to write about the show and she says, apologies for being a slightly clunky publicist, not my natural mode, but want to be a bit better at fighting for spaces like this that champion the small, the intimate and the adventures the, the adventurous in a world of big multi-part stories. And I thought, I was so moved by that because I thought the Indies should be fighting hard. They shouldn't yeah. be apologizing for fighting for themselves because they're making the best stuff and they're making yeah, it because yeah. they love it. And yeah. I want those Indies to be fighting for themselves. And I want spaces that give, you know, honor to the people that are working so hard to make these beautiful things. And, you know, I have a lot of, clients that are indies that you know when podcasts were going through a rough time would say should i be worried and i was like i don't think so because you were always going to make this you weren't doing any you didn't have any motivation other than you were making something you love doing and you weren't spending a crazy amount of money to do it you're fine (laughs) i think the indies will be fine so you obviously get a lot of folks come to you who are various stages of podcasting i mean Obviously, we don't want to, I mean, the basics are the basics and people know what they need to do if they're listening to this or watching this to to get started. But where do you see like podcasters that are just getting started, maybe one or two years under their belt? They've got a rhythm. They they know exactly what they're producing. They've got a flow for their production. But now like, you know, the holy grail, right, is like, how do I see that next level of growth? Have you been seeing common like trends or are there things where you consistently you know after speaking to so many podcasters it's like where they hit that speed bump of like things that that they could be doing better i mean i don't know if this exactly answers your question but i something that i see a lot that is podcasters that'll say i was on a buzzfeed list in 2016 and i have plateaued and i'm like oh no because you hit that sweet spot or like i was featured on apple in 2013 and it's like you got that huge bump and that's tough to grow from if you got really big from yeah. in 2015 or something. So that's something that I think is tough. But now I think what I try to do and I think what podcasters should do, and it's a lot of work, is read and listen to everything. And I don't think a lot of mm. podcasters do that. I ask podcasters what podcast they listen to and a lot of them say they don't listen. And that's a spicy take for me that I think <laughs> you have to listen. When I worked in book publishing... I didn't have an author that wasn't a voracious reader. People fight with me about this all the time. But I think you have to listen to know what other people are doing and how to work with them. Because I think growth is all about working with people in creative ways. Like I really think that's not a very simple answer. Mm-hmm. But figuring out creative ways to work with others, I think that's what makes me excited about podcast marketing and that's what i think we need to start doing but ooh, we need more people writing about podcasts oh, you know okay. like i think you know i have two newsletters i write for lifehacker i need someone to pitch other than myself <laughs> <laughs> well sky's got a pretty decent newsletter she started as well and there's i see a lot of folks talking about the industry and the challenge is as a podcaster like staying on top of them and my biggest connection to what's happening on a day-to-day basis is uh, is pod news. So I just, because it's an easy listen, it's like three, four minutes. And then, then I'll, I'll dive into pod news weekly 
as well. And I feel like that gives me like the whole, not a, every, obviously everything, but I think because it's such a, a visible short podcast and newsletter that I think people like send stuff there. So he's, James is getting tons of press releases as well. And I think it's one of the ways that I figure out like what's happening, what Apple is doing, what Spotify is doing and stuff that I can relate back to my clients. But do you think that there's other skills that podcasters should have? Like for me, I used to think like, oh, I love podcasting because I don't love, I don't like writing and I don't like uh, being in front of, on camera, in front of YouTube. But then I've sort of changed my stance recently and I started a, a newsletter since October and every Saturday it goes out. And I just meet talking about like my life, like what I do. Like I just, I'm traveling here. I went to go see my therapist, like my dog passed away. Like just sharing my ins and outs and my journey, which I really think now is a big, I'm thinking more of as I get older, like sharing my life's journey and the highs, the lows and let people like be inspired to like, share their journey as well. Cause I think we're all hiding behind these masks and, and we're behind these mics and these nice mics. And like, people think like, <laughs> that this is what we sound like in real life. And then like, as you and I know, like when we're in the real world, like there's, everything's bumpy and, and messy. And I think sharing that, all those ups and downs, I think it's helped make me a better podcaster because I'll share the newsletter and I'm like, oh, this is what I created today. And I talk about a couple of like episodes I did. So are you encouraging podcasters to sort of get out of that podcasting is the only way in the only medium bubble? Did you really lose your dog? Yeah, we lost our dog four months ago. Cocker Spaniel. Yeah, she was uh, really special, really present. And it was, I had had a dog previously with my ex, Yorkie. His name was Disco and regular listeners <laughs> to the show know a lot about him because I, <laughs> I would mention him a lot. And so he lived to about 15 or 16. So he had a great life. And then with my current partner, she had a dog when uh, we got together. And so I was only with her for about three years and she was with my partner for nine years. So she took it harder. But incredibly incredibly smart cockers are super smart and she did this thing where you would say her name was isla and you would say she had all these stuffy toys like little animals and you say isla go get giraffe and she would look and you'd see her like her eye kind of like go up for a second she'd go and she'd get the stuffy that was the giraffe and be like isla go get a raccoon and she'd drop the no. she'd drop giraffe she'd be like and she'd bring back the stuffy that was the and i was like she did this for like six or seven times that we have videos of this it's wild and I was like, what's happening in her mind that yeah. she's putting the words together with like the smell or like, is so yeah. fascinating. Oh. But she was like, yeah, just very, very present. So yeah, missed her a lot. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's the worst, literally. Yeah. But anyway, I, I, <laughs> I derailed you. That's just, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. I think transparency, you know, and yeah, I always tell my podcasters, my clients, like, you know, especially even things like if you want people to believe your promo for mm. other podcasts, your ad reads, like mm. they have to get to know you. I don't think, I think if they don't know the real you, then they're going to find something else because you're you, mm. you're the only you. So when people say, you know, there's so much competition, it's like, but you are the only you, so you need to let everybody know why they're coming to your show. And it's usually because of the host. And I usually ask people, are your numbers like, like pretty much the same? Because that means they're coming in for the host if they have guests or is it like guest and topical or something like that? Mm. I think you want numbers to be pretty the same. You want people to say, you know, I don't care what this episode is about. I'm here for Harry. So I'm going to yeah. listen to every single thing that he brings me. So, yeah, a lot of times I think sometimes podcasters are shy to do that and yeah. they think it's silly. They're like, I'm not going to tell them about my life. But I think <laughs> that's how when you see these communities grow, you know, yeah. these like really vibrant communities, that's when the community feels like they know the podcaster. You know, it's like a friend. It, podcasts can feel like friends in lonely times. Yeah. And especially after everyone was starting to podcast around COVID, but I think, and you've heard this before, and this is what I heard when I was getting started, this idea of no like, and trust, and people need to like build that relationship with you over time. And, and I think if you're not being vulnerable, I think we're all craving that more. I think more and more as with what's happening in the world, and I'm just expanding, I'm talking more about like my spiritual journey and stuff, because I'm almost repelling people as fast as I attract them, I think, because I'm like, maybe if I'm not for you, that's cool. Like find someone who is for you, but I'm just like, this is the stuff I'm going to be talking about. And if it's a little out there, then at least it'll start to pull in the people into my orbit who are like, who get it or are like along for the journey or curious as well, which I think is fun. 
Yeah, you're building a community. And I believe in niche podcasts, too. I think that is another thing that we're like, that's I love a niche podcast. And I think that's I see those growing, too. Yeah. I feel like there used to be less niche podcasts. And that's an exciting space. I started my second show in 2020. It's called the Vertical Farming Podcast. You can guess what it's about. But it's crazy because it's generated wow. over 80,000 in sponsorship dollars. I interview CEOs and founders of vertical farming companies. It literally is what it says on the label. I grabbed the domain because I was really strategic about it, Lauren. I was like, I want to see if I can create my own podcast client and a sponsor-driven show. So I started kind of like reverse engineering. I saw an industry that was growing. I saw there was VC money, which means marketing dollars, because I was like, you know, you got, that's where the budgets come from, marketing the departments. And then I said, well, I want it to be high visibility, so I'm just going to interview CEOs and founders. And I said, I'm going to call it what it says on the label, Vertical Farming Podcast. If you Google those three words, it's the first thing that shows up in Google. I'm leaving this Sunday to go to Germany to speak at an indoor farming conference. They're, they're flying me out there, and they're putting me up in a hotel. Last year, my sponsor flew me to Dubai to an indoor farming conference. He's like, you want to come to Dubai? You know, we're, we're interviewing some CEOs. It's been crazy how much visibility I've gotten in three years starting from zero in 2020 no one knew who i was in the industry and now it's the number one show in vertical farming <laughs> did you like I vertical farming a, before i was been given a book by a client called abundance by peter diamandis and it's about like the future and all these future technologies and there's a little chapter in there about vertical farming i was like, this is cool i've heard about this and i read a book called the vertical farm by dixon despami a columbia professor i read it in like one day and i was like whoa this is interesting i was like I wonder if I could start a podcast around it. I wonder how big this industry is. So I went to like Crunchbase and I was like, you start to see all these VCs and, and I'm like, oh, this is getting a lot of investment money. And investments means there's typically when a company gets funded, like the first thing they're going to spend it on is marketing. And so I had a conversation. I started and I said, I want it to be high visibility. So I was like, how best to do that than to interview CEOs. And I was confident because of Podcast Junkies with like hour long interviews, conversational, like I know how to talk, you know, I don't have to be the subject matter expert because that's the first thing people ask. So like, do you know anything about it? Like are you, I was just passionate. And I always tell people there's three people in a podcast conversation, the host, the guest, and the listener. And I was like, I'm just bringing the listener along on the journey. I'm learning at the same time they're learning. And it's almost like the CEOs are more intimidated because they feel like they're going to get grilled. And I'm just like, no, we're just talking. Like huh. I just had one today yeah. and it's just really conversational. And now like these conferences are happening. I just went to New York. Like in, I was in New York in July, indoor ag tech NYC. The tickets are like 1200 bucks. They caught me a ticket and I just did a couple of ad reads for them on the show. It's been crazy to see and uh, see firsthand how much visibility you can get if you're laser focused on a niche. And now people see me as like a weird, like voice of vertical farming. <laughs> like, and I was at that conference and someone came over, she's they're like, Harry, like I, I looked you up on LinkedIn because your face is not on your cover. I just want to make sure it was you. And I thought it was you. And I just wanted to come over and say, hi, just I'm getting involved in the industry and I've been listening to all your episodes and I just love it. And I was like, this is amazing. I love this story so much. Can I interview you about it for Podcast Marketing Magic? Yes, that would be fun. I love telling <laughs> you. I just want to get people inspired to kind of really think through, like I got to speak at Podcast Moon about it last year. And I think to your point about this idea of, of going niche, because it's almost like, Everything you do is around that topic. And I was, just because my marketing hat is always on, I, I secured verticalfarmingweekly.com, verticalfarmingjobs.com. So I'm thinking about all these different opportunities. Now, one of the companies that I interviewed, they're just getting started, but they might need help on a marketing front. And I'm talking to them about being an advisor. So it's like crazy, you know, how much visibility you can get if you create these platforms because these companies, like, they have dollars to spend and they'd rather spend it on a niche show, you know, and I think it's pretty interesting. So I think anyone who's got a skill in podcasting, you know, if, if they're interested in, like, going niche, I think should definitely, like, consider it. Because there's some, I think about all these different topics, like cellular proteins and climate tech and all these, like, super niche industries that are getting a ton of, like, funding and all these new companies popping up. And I'm like... Man, I don't have enough time to chase down should, all of these opportunities, but you it's should so start a podcast about that where you're just giving away <laughs> ideas, charge people yeah. for it. No, I feel yeah. like I just told my story and I've kind of have felt like I was in a niche because there's not a lot of podcast marketing, but you went beyond that. You're like, not just podcasts, vertical farming. And yeah. maybe you had a similar experience where you're like, nobody else is doing this. So now I'm going to be like doing it like it's yeah. it, seems, it feels familiar to me i love that story yeah yeah 
when you think about like where we're going as a industry, you know, do you ever get burnt out? What keeps you motivated? I'm a child. I never get, I don't get burnt out about this. I feel excited every day. I think it's because of the people. It's because of my team. I really, also, I feel lucky because, you know, I usually work with people for, I mean, some clients I've been working with for years, but a lot of it is for a launch of a show or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it's always different, you know? Yeah. And so I'm always learning something new. Like none of my days are the same. Yeah. And I think there isn't like cycles. Like at my old jobs, it'd be like, oh, it's this time of the year we're doing this. I don't feel that way about Mm. my job. I feel like everybody, every client I have is on a different schedule. Every client I'm having has a different goal. And also, I love podcasts. So (laughs) me getting to listen is part of my job. And Mm -hmm. I find such joy in it. I'm telling you, this is going to sound, I sound like such a dork, but like (laughs) I jump out of bed in the morning. Because I want to see what shows have been refreshed overnight. Like, I can't (laughs) wait to listen. So that's huge that I love what I'm working on so much. Do you find that the time that you have to listen to shows has gotten, like, smaller because of, like, all the other stuff you have on your plate? Or you just always find time to listen? I get up very early. And that's (laughs) my time to myself. And I listen pretty, usually kind of fast. My brain is a little broken, but on the week, during the week, I make, I turn my husband into a podcast listener because it's it's a requirement if you're going to spend time with me. So (laughs) during the week, I make a playlist of things I think he'll like, and I make that playlist for him. And then on Saturday and Sunday, he like DJs the playlist. So he picks from that and we listen together, but he has to listen at 1.0 speed. So that is true love. I listen at (laughs) one point speed with him. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean. I can listen to stuff at one and a half and two. And I realize like it's when you listen to like even pod news, I'm like, I hear I'm used to James talking really fast. Yeah. It <laughs> when doesn't I say hi to right. in person, I'm like, why are you talking so slow? Yeah. There's certain shows that I slow down, but yeah, of course. Where do you feel we're at? Because, you know, if people are just getting in and when you think about that number, they keep throwing around, I know they throw around the 4 million number and that's just like all shows. And then like the couple of hundred thousand, which is like active shows. You know, and people looking from the outside would think like, oh, it's like saturated. You've, every topic has been covered and all, you know, everything you can podcast about has already been done. Like, what would you say to, to folks coming in from the, from the outside or looking at it from the outside who think like, you know, there's, there's nothing really new happening in podcasting? Well, I would say you can cover a topic that's been covered a lot, but if you do it your own way and also yeah. do it really mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and I mean, my favorite podcast right now is the podcast that makes me go, oh, I didn't know that could be a podcast. So thinking about, well, recently, I mean, this was like actually a couple of years ago, but one of my favorite shows of all time is called Lizzie Cooperman's In Your Hands, and she's not doing it anymore. But every week she would pick two things to do, get a piercing or get a job at Cold Stone Creamery, stuff like that. (laughs) And she would put it on her Instagram and let her she's a comedian she's hysterical okay. and she's a poet she's so good with words that's so funny hysterical. and her fan base would vote for which one she would do and she oh, would do that's it so funny and then the next the episode she would bring on other comedians to help her decide and so we're all shaping her life and actually she had to stop the show because it was getting out of control <laughs> like her life was just out of control but that kind of thing the thing is the kind of thing that gets my attention um I'm also really enjoying this podcast called Butt Out Baby Mm. right now, which is this woman found this original screenplay to Dirty Dancing. And she's just going scene by scene, but like really in minute detail, but she knows her stuff. So it's other people have done stuff like this. It is well done. There's like original music, really niche interviews with people about small things or like details like this glass was on the table like this because of this. Like, But the funny thing is, she's making it herself she's an indie podcaster it doesn't have a it's not like it's not coming out every week episodes come out when they come out so guess what i am reading about every single episode i have a party every time there's an episode i'm constantly (laughs) refreshing i think she's not doing this on purpose but it is creating this excitement for this podcast that is accidental i'm loving it i can't wait till there's every single time i get excited very cool well, I kind of felt this was going to be all over the map because <laughs> we're just podcasters talking about podcasting. 
But I usually have a couple of questions asked towards the end. What's something you've changed your mind about recently? I have been a vegetarian for 33 years. Mm. No meat, no fish. Yeah. And I have been for a year thinking about eating clams and oysters because I've done research and I don't think they have central nervous systems and they filter the water. So I recently ate a clam and that was very big for me and I really liked it. <laughs> that is, yeah, we've, we're mostly, I mean, I'm, I'll eat not a lot of red meat and my, my partner eats, hasn't touched red meat in like 10 years, but we found a, a company that's in Hawaii called Maui Nui. And what's happening is that in that part of the island, it's overrun with this population of deer. It was like a hundred thousand deer on the island. Cause some, I think it was brought there as a gift and they have no natural predators there. So they're just completely like overtaking the island. So they basically like let them live a full life. And then they have like hunters with like night vision, single shot, you know, one shot kill and they get dressed on the island. And so we get like a package of that. And so it's like, so it's very sustainable. It's not factory farming. It's none of that. And so it's interesting. Like there are opportunities to kind of experiment with stuff that, you know, when you think about it, like, like that's, they have to cull that population down, right? Because it's just overrun. So, and they send out a newsletter every week about talking about like the sustainable stuff that they're doing on the island, stuff like that. So I think it's interesting and more and more people are like experimenting like you are with like different ways of like trying out <laughs> different yeah. different methods. I wish everyone would think of something like that where it's just like, what can I do that's a little bit different? And I actually, I call myself a Colin girl. If any podcast is like, Colin, if you have a story about this before they even finish the prompt, <laughs> I'm calling it. And I called into this podcast name called Climavores about yeah the earth and vegetarianism and all this stuff. And I, I said, may I eat oysters? What do you think? And they told me I could. So that is why I made the decision. So oh shout out God, to Climavores. <laughs> what is the most misunderstood thing about you? I think people think that I am really social and I really like to be by myself. And I believe that nobody cares if you don't go to the party. And I'm very happy. I have the opposite of FOMO. I get excited about, I want to be invited, but I don't want to go generally. I will say the exception is podcast movement and all of those conferences. I turn into this person that wants to really be with everyone. And that's a rare moment. I really, I, I grew up an only child. I was alone. I need to be alone. Okay. I need privacy. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's almost like, yeah, like I said, it's like more like a high school reunion when we go to podcast movement. So I think we're all just excited to see each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad we got a chance to catch up. I know we see each other at the conferences. And I think what, what I love about my show is it's like, oh, I want to go a little bit deeper with some of my podcasting peeps and that I've just sometimes, you know, there's friends that I have that we just see each other in passing. And you know how it is at those conferences, you're talking for like five minutes and then like someone else comes by. And then I you know. get distracted and you're like, I'll meet you downstairs or we'll meet downstairs at the bar or at the party. And like that never happened. So it's, it's nice to be able to slow down and just even learn more about you. Cause I know we've like been in the same orbit, podcasting orbit for years now. And I'm just like, I'm like, wow, how come Lauren hasn't been on the show? And I'm like, maybe because I haven't invited her. So let's get her. <laughs> well, now so. I know so much more about you and vertical farming and wait, yeah. what's something that people get wrong about you? I think it is the... I'm fine that I'm selectively extroverted, you know? So if you see me at the podcast movement and if you get me to karaoke, I'm the one on stage singing Rapper's Delight. And I love kind of like, you know, goofing around and it's part of that DJ, you know, mindset mm -hmm. of just like being like the energy of the party and controlling the, like the vibe of the party. But I realized like when I'm back home, I'm just like, just like reverting back. I just want to just kind of like, that's a lot. You know, even when I have multiple interviews during the day, I find like, you know, my energy wanes and I have to like sometimes cancel the interviews because I'm just like, I just don't have the energy just to jump on a call with this person for like an hour. So I'm just like, and, and I want to make sure I'm honoring like my guest time. But I think as I get older, I think I find uh, like I'm less eager to like be out and just like constantly hanging out. And I think even at the last podcast movement, I was we were like more selective about just having, having like deeper conversations with people, even if it's on the chairs outside the party, as opposed to just like what my girlfriend likes to say is like going narrow and deep as opposed to like wide and shallow, just like, hi, 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 hi. And it, cause I realized like, as I get older, I realize that how draining that is energetically. 
I love getting older and figuring this stuff out, though. I'm serious. <laughs> I love, I'm, sign me up. I love it. Wait, what's your sign? What's your birthday? October 10th, Libra. Okay. What's your karaoke song? It's typically Rapper's Delight. Yeah. And I always forget every one. time I do that, that there's actually three rappers in that song and I'm doing all of them. So I'm like completely <laughs> out of breath by the time the song is done. You need a whole crew. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was a treat. Yeah. And, and hopefully uh, nice any, to get to know you better. anything we, I can do to help share your cause, your story and chat about any marketing stuff that I've learned as well. I'm going to interview you about vertical farming. Yeah. And I'll see you in L.A. Evolutions? I yeah. think so. Yeah. It's yeah, it's going to be in L.A. this time. So it's, what is it, February? All right, uh, March. 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 Okay. Yeah, it's on the calendar. So I think I'll definitely be there. Where okay. do you want to send folks to learn more about the, all the wonderful things you're doing? I think tinkmedia.co okay. or podcastthenewsletter.substack.com. Okay. Those are my two. I mean, everything's at tinkmedia.co. You can just say that. Yeah. And if you're not subscribed to Lauren's newsletter, then you're really missing out. If you have any interest in growing your show, so highly recommend people do that. So we'll make sure all those links are in the show notes. Thanks again for everything you do for the podcast community. You and your team are an incredible resource. You know, I don't find enough time to keep up with everything, but I, I get the newsletters. I'm like, oh my God, there's so much information in here. <laughs> like, it's like, I got to set, set, set aside. But, you know, for anyone who's looking inter interested in getting started, in growing their show so, and definitely going to keep pointing them in your direction. So I appreciate everything you do for the world of podcasting. Right back at you. Thank you. Always appreciative of my guest's time. I never take that for granted. I know an hour is valuable time and I'm so grateful they were able to come on and share their journey with you. As a reminder, if you are ready to get your podcast off the ground and don't know where to start, sign up for Podcast Blueprint 101 and use promo code PBHD50 for half off the price. For a complete picture of everything that's happening in the world of podcasting and all the companies making moves, visit thepodosphere.com and create your own pod stack today. Podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Visit fullcast.co and click the play button to learn the five pillars of a successful podcast that every business owner needs to know prior to launching. As a reminder, if you enjoyed this show or past episodes, you can show me some love by leaving a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies and I'll be sure to read those out on a future episode. Intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil. Visit cedarsoil.com for his full catalog. Tune in next week for a conversation with yet another fascinating podcaster as we dig deep, learn about their show and what makes them tick. Thanks for all you do to support this show across all our socials. I truly appreciate it. Talk to you next week.